Thank you, Jesus. We worship you and honor you, Lord, for your presence in the room today. Um, I'm so excited to be sharing the word with you. If you can't tell, I'm excited. Um, Happy New Year to you all. Um, I'm sure many of you are making your New Year's resolutions or your anti-resolutions. You're just going to be exactly the same this year because you're tired of making resolutions that you're not going to keep, right? Uh, Everybody knows that people often start the year with a resolution, which is a what? What am I going to do this year? What goals am I going to set for myself? Uh, What things do I want to accomplish? What accolades am I trying to achieve? Everybody starts off the year asking what? But if you're like me, the question is probably not what. The question is how. Because the goal has been the same. I want to drop about 20, right? The goal has been the same for a number of years. So you're not even asking yourself what. You're just asking yourself how. You're Googling what diet. You're Googling what fast money scheme is out there. You're preparing a money laundering business in the back, right? You're doing whatever you can to prepare yourself for how. You're going to do the what. But here's the question that I want to pose to you today. What if today, what if this year, this isn't the year to know your what, it's not the year to know your how, but what if this was the year to know your why? What if this was the year that instead of starting out asking yourself, what am I going to do and how am I going to do it, you're going to ask yourself, why am I going to do it? And I believe that in this 2024th year of our Lord, that it is going to be vitally important for each and every one of us to know our why. I believe that this is going to be a year of testing. Nobody wants to hear that, right? Nobody signed up for the year of testing. But if you've been in Christian walk for long enough, you know that the tests will come. You know that the trials will come. But here's gonna be the difference this year and I'm believing that this message is gonna be a catalyst for you to maybe reset a why, to maybe find a why. But this year I believe that as we go through tests, as we go through trials with a correct why, with a strong why at heart, that the rain's gonna come, that the wind's gonna blow, but the foundation of who we are will not be shaken because we built ourselves upon Christ the solid rock, amen? Now, here's the deal. For me, knowing your why starts with hope. And I'm not being poetic. There's actually a person named Hope that serves on our serve team. Yes, if Hope's in the room, I don't know. But one day, we were at Fair Park in the Coliseum, and I was walking around as I often do on Sunday mornings, and I came upon this young girl named Fernanda, she was by herself and I said, hey, Fernanda, are, how are you doing? I'm Josh, um, you know, it's the first time here. Kind of all the typical questions. And I asked her, are you alone today? And she said, I am. And I said, can I make a bold statement? I think, I didn't, I didn't even wait for her to say yes. I just said, can I make a bold statement? Then made the bold statement. Pro tip. I said, can I make a bold statement? I think you need to get into a serve team. I think you need to start serving because One of the saddest things in the history of the world is to be alone at church, to feel alone at church. I said, I think that you need to get on a serve team and I think that when you get in the serve team, I think you're gonna have to, I think you're gonna stop doing church alone and you're gonna start feeling like this is home. I said, is that okay? She said, yeah. I said, okay, well, where do you wanna serve at? She said, I I think I wanna serve in first time guests. 
And I was like, all right, well, let's, let's walk over there together. Let's, let's meet the lead. We can talk about it. We find out what it is uh, and how you can be a part of it. We walk over. Um, the lead wasn't present. She was away on business, right? Out of the office. And then this young lady named Hope, I, I was waiting. I said, do you know where the lead is? She said, I don't know. And I said, well, maybe you can help me. My friend Fernanda here wants to serve on first time guests. Um, can you tell her what you do? And Hope just began to lay out a textbook explanation uh, and really a pitch for Fernanda to join first time guests. She said, I mean, we, we got people who are introverts, we got people who are extroverts, she's covering all the bases. You can stand in front of the table, you can stand behind the table, there's some flexibility there, right? You can do whatever you wanna do. If you wanna just stand here and wave, she's like, but if you're like me, I love to find out stories. If you tell me you're in town from Missouri, I wanna know why. And I was like, that is amazing. I was already grinning from ear to ear because I was like, this is perfect. I, I couldn't have lobbed this any better and Hope knocked it out of the park. And I said, Hope, can you tell me why you feel like you're making a difference here? And this was the part that caught me because she had already told me what, right? I said, can you tell me why you feel like you're making a difference here? And she said this, she said, oh, that's easy. And I knew it was gonna be good by the way she smiled. She said, that's easy. She said, the first time I ever came to Social Dallas, I walked in the door and the very first people to smile at me and greet me was first time guest team. And that's why I do what I do. And I was floored. It just sparked something inside of me that made me think, man, if everybody knew their why, we would be excellent at the things that we do. If everybody knew the reason why, not just the what, right? Because here's the deal, if you have a what without a why, it's like having a key with no car. <laughs> right? It's not invaluable, but catch this, it won't take you anywhere. If we all knew our why, it would put purpose on the things that we call menial and mundane. If we all knew our why, we would look differently at packing the school lunches. We would look differently at the car line. We would look differently at responding to the emails appropriately and in a timely fashion. If we all knew our why, if our why extended far beyond our what, the what would no longer matter because the why would supersede. See, when you know your why, your what, it gets clearer. Because your why can be a guiding light for in your life and the decisions that you make. But something that I learned from Hope was this, your why is infectious. See, when Hope shared her why with me, all of a sudden I was caught up in this place of, do I know my why? Do I know the reason why I do the things that I do? And you may have many whys in your life, you may just have one big giant one that guides everything, but it began to spawn something in me. And you know what, at the end of the day, I have a job here, I have things I do, but I wanted to join the, the first time guest team too because Hope's had such a solid why. And we even posed the question to a bunch of our leaders in one of our all staff meetings and the whys that came out made me wanna join every single team because I realized whys are infectious. There's this powerful story in 1 Samuel there's an opposing army coming against the children of Israel. And 
Per usual fashion, the army of Israel is very outnumbered, right? There's 600 Israel, 300 Israelites against an army that can't be numbered, like the sand on the seashore, the Bible says. And Jonathan, the son of the king, decides in one moment, I wanna go out and I wanna do something. See, Jonathan had a very strong why. He goes out and he takes his armor bearer with him. He says, hey, I wanna go and I wanna do this thing. So if you look at the screen, it's coming up. Verse six, it says this, Jonathan, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised, sorry for the kids in the room, right? It may be the Lord will work for us for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I am with you heart and soul. We're gonna come back to that. But to finish out the story, Jonathan and his arm, two people against a garrison go up. And Jonathan devises this little kind of thing to understand whether God's gonna deliver them or not. This thing happens, they go up and they kill the initial people. And here's the thing, Jonathan is the fighter. He has an armor bearer who's supposed to carry his stuff for him. Jonathan goes out and strike one. The armor bearer gets so excited, he goes and starts stabbing people too. Because Jonathan's why was infectious. Here's something even more powerful. See, the Philistines had become so, so great and the Israelites were so afraid. There were Israelites who abandoned being Israelites to go and be with the Philistines because they didn't wanna be killed. They heard about what Jonathan did and were so excited that they abandoned the Philistine ways and came back to being Israelites. And even more, Again, because the number, the odds were so greatly stacked in the side of the Philistines, there were Israelites who were so afraid that they went and hid in caves and pits in the ground. When news of what Jonathan had done spread, not only did they leave their cave, they ran to the front of the fight. Your why is infectious. Can I tell you something about that story and how it relates to you? There are people who are waiting on your why. There are people who are waiting on your why. There are people in this room, there are people in this world, there are people in your sphere of influence who are immobilized because of fear. They're immobilized because of circumstances, they're immobilized because the odds seem stacked against them. But one why, your why, can shift the odds. A well-timed, well-perfected why can inspire the hearts of many and lead them out of a place of fear and into the front lines. Now here's another thing that I realized from that story is that our why should be visible. So many people, and it's funny, because I think I myself have probably been guilty of this, we say we love people, but put us in a room full of people and it doesn't look like we love people. You cannot say that you love kids and be kicking children. It doesn't work that way. Your why needs to be visible. People should see the why of your life in everything that you do. I love our pastors because when you see them do things, it is so clear the why. You may not know the exact verbiage of it, but you can tell the ethos of why they do what they do. 
Your why needs to be visible. The Bible says this in Matthew 5. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see the good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Your why needs to be visible. Here's something that I wanna call to mind, right? We all know, and generally, I say all, we all generally know that we have something we need to be doing for the Lord. We all know that we have something that we should be at work, right? Because he first loved us, there's a work that we ought to do. There's this phenomenon called attention tunneling. You get so focused on a task, one small task, that you forget to do all the other things that are important. Can I submit to you this morning that there are people who are serving today, whether in the church, in the community, you're called to be a missionary to your workplace, but you're so focused on the task at hand that you are forgetting the why of everything that you're doing. And that's causing your why to be invisible. If you bring the why of what you do back to the surface, it will be visible to others. And as the Bible says, people will begin to give glory to God on behalf of the things that you do. Another thing is that our why should be founded in love. Someone approached Jesus in Matthew 22 and it says this, he says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? In verse 37, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus is saying all of this is summed up in these two things, loving God and loving people. So many of us, we step into the realm of serving God, right? And there's different ways to do that. It looks different for everybody, but we, st we step into some fashion of serving and we forget that the serving is supposed to be founded on love. We have love for ourselves, but not necessarily love for God or love for others. And this morning, I want to remind you that if you have a why that isn't founded on loving God and loving others, then you have a why that needs to be revisited and reworked until it is based upon that. Because the Bible says that you can do so many things, but if you don't have love, it's just a clanging symbol. Here's the other side of that. If I do anything with love for God or love for people, it's this beautiful representation of who God is in the world. If I do anything without the love of God, it's a clanging symbol. If I do anything with the love of God, it's a beautiful representation of the love that God has for us. Do you, does your love have why? Ask yourself that this morning. Is the reason why you do what you do based on a love for yourself and a hope for your future? Is the reason why you do what you do, whatever it may be, whether you're a, a Christian rapper, whether you're an executive, whether you're a pastor or a mom, is what you do founded on love for God and love for others? Here's another thing, our love needs to be based in obedience. First Samuel says this, and a lot of us are familiar with the scripture. It says, obedience is better than sacrifice. 
Those are my Sunday school pros there. <laughs> Obedience is better than sacrifice, but the whole scripture says this. We're gonna read this in the New King James. So Samuel said, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. I love how the message says it. The message really drives it home for us today. I wanna look at that, it says this. These words are cutting, but it's purposeful. Do you think God wants sacrifices? Empty rituals just for show? He wants you to listen to him. Plain listening is the thing. I'm gonna read that again. Do you think all God wants are sacrifices? How many people in this room, I don't care how stacked your bank account is, you cannot give millions of, millions of dollars to the church and expect that you are pleasing God. It doesn't work that way. You can't serve enough to please God if he's not asking you to do it. Do you think all God wants are sacrifices, empty rituals just for show? He wants you to listen to him. Plain listening is the thing. Not staging lavish religious production. Not doing what God tells you is far worse than fooling around with the occult. Getting self-important around God is far worse than making deals with your dead ancestors. Samuel was addressing Saul. God had given Saul very, very distinct instructions on what to do with a certain group of people in all of their possessions. Saul was a very rebellious person who had a lot of selfish ambition. Now here's the very interesting thing which I just referenced. What Saul was offering God was not junk. Saul actually took all of the best things from that people and was prepared by his word, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt, to offer that to God. But here's the thing, God never asked for it. How many of us in the room today, if you're being honest, I wanna ask you to raise your hand. How many of you are stressed out? How many of you are burnt out? How many of you are tired and ready to give up because you're offering things to God he never asked you for? I wanna be honest with you. There was a time in my life because I've been in ministry for a while, that my why was weak. I did ministry because I wanted a platform. Because people spoke words over my life, and if you're, if you're a person in the room who's blessed enough to have had a prophetic word spoken over your life, that can also harm you if you're not aware of how to properly handle those things because there's a maturity that comes with those words that God is believing that you will attain. But I lacked the maturity, and here's why, because I didn't have community. 
I didn't have good pastors. I didn't have good people around me. Good fellowship to tell me, bro, that's not how you do that. You, you don't get a word from God and then sit on your couch and tap your fingers until he makes it happen. You position yourself. When God gives you a word over your life, you position yourself to be in the right place at the right time to catch the mantle that he's throwing down upon your shoulders. And so many people in the church today, we get a word from God and we elevate ourselves, we puff out our chest, we look down at people and we say, man, I have a word from God. But we immediately disqualify ourselves because our why is weak. See, I told God in my heart, I wanna make you famous, but here's the truth about it. I wanted to share the stage with him. God, I wanna make you famous, but here's the reality about that. God doesn't need me to make him famous. He's famous already. Have you ever heard of Christmas? That's famous. Have you ever heard of Easter? That's famous. He doesn't need me to make him famous. He needs my submission. He needs my obedience. He needs my humbleness. He needs me to look at him as the source of my life. The other part of my weak wise was that I wanted to be seen. And here's something that I believe is a truth. We were made to be seen. But if you take it all the way back to Genesis and you look at the fall of man, after they eat the apple, what does God say when he walks into the garden? He can't fight him. He, find Adam and Eve and he says, where are you? See, God was expecting to see them, which lets me know that part of what we were created for was to be seen by him. But we were expected to be seen by eyes that blaze like fire on a head that has hair that is white as wool. And the gaze that you and I long for as people, it cannot be replicated by anyone but God himself. See, I wanted to be seen, but understand this, that if I and my why is based solely on my desire to be seen, then I will trade the perfection of the sight of God for the cheapness of being seen by those around me. And don't mishear me, I'm not saying that it's not valuable to be seen by those around you. We should affirm each other. But if the basis of my why is purely on that, then that is my reward. My life was plagued with weak whys, and here was the sad thing about it, was that plague began to eat away at me. And every single year, that time passed, and my ambitions were not met, my goals were not met. My dreams were not realized. I became more and more bitter. And there's so many people, and I don't know if this is your first church, I don't know if you've been to church all your life, but there's even people who aren't in this room today because they were plagued by weak wise because so many relationships have died in the valley of unmet and unspoken expectations. I placed expectations on God 
instead of asking him, what do you have for me? I had this moment last year, we were in our apartment. My wife was away on a vacation and I was with my girls and I was washing the dishes. And I had worship going like I normally do. And the presence of God, I just became aware of it so strongly that I felt I felt I had to respond to it, so I put the dishes down. God came in clutch, stopped me from washing dishes. <laughs> Wives, it happens, okay? Husbands, that's your card. But I felt very strongly inclined to respond to his presence in that moment. So I put the dishes down and I went and the song was playing that was kind of like a song of the season for me. Uh, it's a song called Move Your Heart. And in it, the bridge, it just says, is it a fragrance? I'm not going to sing. That's not me. So um, is it a fragrance? Then I'll pour my oil out. Is it a life laid down? Then here I'll make my vows. Is it a song I sing? Here's every melody. Just tell me what moves you. So I sat on the couch, and again, I felt so heavily impressed to respond to the presence of God in my little 900-square-foot apartment. And I began to almost feel an anxiety about how to respond to God's presence. I was like, man, should I read the Bible? Should I lay on my face? Should I pray a little bit? Should I stand up? Should I go to the piano? Literally racking my brain to figure out how to respond. Man, and it was such a powerful moment because I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me in such a tender way. And he just said, Josh, I know your heart. I know that you want to do everything that is in that song. I know your heart. And it stood out to me in this moment because I realized what he was telling me was that the what was not as important as the why. Yes, I could have done any of those things. I could have worshiped and it would have been good. I could have read and it would have been good. I could have got on my face and it would have been good. But sometimes we don't have to get so caught up in the what and we just need to be caught up in the why. The last thing that I'll say is this, is that your why will sustain you. It says this in Hebrews 12, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So many people, so many friends, so many family members, so many would-be community members don't make it year to year because they have weak whys. But I love this scripture because it reminds me of two instances Jesus in the garden, praying to the Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from before me. But nevertheless, 
Say it in your heart, nevertheless. Not my will be done, but your will be done. See, Jesus had an incredibly strong why. Put your hand on your heart. You were Jesus' why. And it was for the joy that was set before him. For the heart whose hand that your hand is upon, that he was able to endure the cross. His why carried him through. His why carried him through the persecution, through the beating, through the shame. There's so many of you in this room and all of us, I can say, we, we will face hardship this year. We will go through things, we'll be tested, we'll be tried, we'll be stabbed in the back, we'll be talked about, we'll be laughed at, we'll be ostracized because you're choosing to follow Jesus. But hear me today, if you have a strong why, it will carry you through. If you have a strong why, you will be able to endure. And for the joy that is set before you, and making sure that the lamb receives the reward of his suffering by gathering people, by loving people, by being his hands and his feet. Your why will carry you through. I sense so much right now in this room that God is working on hearts. I sense that he is reworking some whys. I can see on some of your faces that there's a revelation. And with the revelation of an incorrect why, bitterness is falling off of you right now with the revelation of the fact that your why was not founded on love, it wasn't founded in obedience. God is stripping away the anger. He's stripping away the bitterness. I can sense that God is doing a deep work in so many hearts within the room. And I can tell you this, it's not because he wants to shame you it's not because he wants you feeling guilty, but it's because he wants to empower you. He has a work for you. He has a work in this city. He has a work in this world that he wants to invite you to be a part of, but he's resetting the foundation of why you do what you do because this year, it is going to be vitally important for you to have a why 
that is aligned with his purpose for your life.